Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company as we kick off Friday afternoon with uh, the latest edition of The Call. Uh, two experts, 10 stocks suggested by you and we give you some guidance over the next hour or so. And uh, terrific to have as part of uh, the team today, Jumbei Lu from Tribeca Capital. Jumbei, good to see you again. Good to be here. Welcome to The Call. And our favourite Queenslander. Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. Andrew, uh, you Queenslanders, you're shutting the borders on us New South Welshmen again. What's going to happen to my planned holiday in Port Douglas next month? Well, I was going to invite you up to the theatre, Koshi. You know, come and see the best of the Bee Gees on the 21st of August. I mean, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. You know, well, I'm, I'm stuck too. You know, we've all, we've all got issues. We've all got issues. Yeah, well, yes, we do all have issues. We've got a adjust our lifestyle. You're stuck in Queensland. I think you're stuck in a better place than uh, than I am and certainly keep a, an eye on all our AFL teams up there. All right, uh, good to have you aboard as usual. Uh, before we get to your 10 stocks, uh, a stock of the day that I generally choose and I thought we'd take a look at Semic Group today. Uh, it's reported a 14% drop in net profit as the COVID pandemic delayed the award of new contracts and slowed revenues. The figures missed forecast, with earnings per share coming in nearly 5% lower than the estimates. Also in negotiations to sell a 50% stake in Tease to uh, a London-based funds management company, Elliott Advisors. So this whole construction sector has been a focus of uh, markets in the last couple of months. Now earnings are starting to come out. Shumbay, does this, uh, what do you think of this result by Simic? Look, the result is, as expected, been pretty challenging. But I think the biggest issue for CIMIC is that their cash flow has been very poor uh, for quite a few results now, so not just this one. And the company has been trying very hard to um, even doing factoring of some of the receivable to receive cash. So um, clearly for a contractor, uh, a construction business, that when cash flow is not strong enough, it tend to, um, does signal that um, what's your real underlying earning out of those projects. So um, so for CIMIC, cash is going to be very important. So they do need to sell assets um, to keep that business ongoing. Now, if government is going to announce any stimulus um, to the infrastructure oh, yeah. projects, yep. share price may well rally from here. Um, but it is the cash flow has been very poor for quite some time. So it's, it's you really have to wait and see a uh, steer away for now. Okay, steer away. And is that the same? With a, is that a sector uh, a sector recommendation as well? No, for construction? Not, look, I think um, we do like a couple of others, but in general, construction businesses are very challenging in yeah. this environment. Just the disruptions um, and uh, the collection of the revenue as well, um, and then the timing of the project. So absolutely steer away. But Simic in particular is a company that has had cash flow problems for quite some time. So it's oh. probably the worst of that bunch at oh, this point. Okay. Yeah. Andrew, what do you think of Simic? 
Uh, not a lot, um, as in don't <laughs> I don't sort of think sort of super super highly of them. Uh, Jinbai has, has absolutely nailed it relating to those cash flow issues, and it's been like this for years. I mean, we go all the way back to the Leighton's days, and uh, and Wall King. It's been a perennial disappointment. So similar to QBE, um, a company that had so much promise but has just you know been very underwhelming, as we can see by looking at that price there. Um, certainly the, the cutting of the dividend is of no great surprise, but in an environment where a lot of people watching this today, I'm sure, are clamouring for dividends. This is another one that you can cross off your list. And they're in an interesting little place. Um, I was about to say Leighton's Syndica in, in an interesting place because they're doing a share buyback at the moment, as we spoke about previously, Koshi Honchief owns uh, well over 70% of them. If they get over into so that 75 to 80% mark, they actually fall out of the ASX S&P 200. And mm. what you will then find will occur is a lot of these index funds will actually be forced to sell it. So at a time where buybacks are normally supportive for the share price, in this particular instance, a buyback could actually be the complete opposite. Wow, so they're in a bit of pain because if they, if they fall out of the ASX 200, as you say, for those people who don't understand, getting in that... 200 attracts a lot of interest from these index ETFs and index funds who, who because it, because it's in the index, have got to invest in them. When you get out, well, they can bail as well. Well, they have to. I mean, never mind. I mean, we're, a lot of this uh, hour, of course, is very sort of stock picking mode, even though I try and introduce the odd ETF yeah. here or there. Um, but you're right. Uh, the, the big swag of money at the moment is in institutional land. It's in passive ETFs. Uh, can be in passive ETFs, and you're quite right. I think I was reading just before it's something like $300 million worth of net selling uh, could potentially take place should those uh, ca uh, free flow limits, um, free float limits get breached. So it's it's a real dilemma for Bank of America, who's been in the market buying um, for Honchief to basically bolster their uh, their stake. Okay, all right. So uh, a no from for Simic cash flow problems and. The prospect of falling out of the ASX 200 don't bode well for the share price there. All right, that's our stock of the day. Let's get into your stocks now. And uh, first up, Jumbay, uh, bigger cheese. Um, not only cheese, but of course, has Vegemite and peanut butter and a whole lot of other goods. Um, this week announced it's cutting staff by, by 74. Um, so trimming back down again. Um, great Australian brand company, been on the markets for a long time. Mm. Uh, what's your view on Bega? Look, um, thematically and over the long term, we do love this stock and yeah. we love the brand because it's been around for a long time and it has a very inherent strong uh, brand presence. And particularly a lot of its pre um, uh, produce is being sold into Asian market and has received incredible amount, amount of demand. Yeah. Now, right now it's in the, in, the, in the wrong place at the wrong spot at the moment because of the COVID disruption, because food services into Asia has been very challenging at the moment because of the closure of whether it's border, whether it's businesses. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, revenue from that side at the moment is not really um, very strong at the moment. And at the same time, because they source, because of the cheese, they source um, milk um, as, uh, as their key ingredient. And the milk previously had a pretty big price spike because of lack of, right. uh, because of the drought for um, the last couple of years. Um, but of course, now the milk supply has returned. So it's looking a bit better for that business, but 
still the price volatility of this cost, um, which is milk powder, and it's still pretty um, volatile at the moment. So top line is not there at the moment, and then the cost base is um, still very volatile. So it's in a tough spot, but take right. a longer term view. I do like this business. Okay. So, so um, will run run company one of those companies maybe that it's in the down cycle at the moment. That's so, right. And that's when to pick up quality stocks. Absolutely. At, at this stage now, what is it about five? Yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a good price at the moment, but right. near term, you will know the earnings under quite a bit of pressure. Okay. Yeah. Andrew, what do you think of Vega? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind the, the company. I'm a user of their products, um, their peanut butter, not such a big fan of Vegemite, whether that makes me a bad Australian or not, but certainly oh, they have God. a number of... Uh, I, and I a bad Queenslander, I think. Uh, you're a bad man, Koshi. You're a bad man. We'll talk about that <laughs> afterwards. Um, look, I, I, I like the business. Um, Junbai, you know, talks a, a lot of the points that I was going to cover off. I mean, obviously, not helped by the droughts and bushfires either. Uh, that's had a real impact upon their business as well. Yeah. Uh, they're trading around consensus. Consensus is 450. They're trading at 450. Uh, for me, it's as you just said before, it's a quality business under sort of pre unwarranted pressure. Uh, and certainly if you look at the um, dividend, it's not nothing to set the world on fire, but they're actually looking at increasing it slightly next year based on forecasts. So certainly for me, it's a defensive business it can be turned around increasing mm. dividends. So certainly from my point of view, it's one that I'd be looking at buying. Okay, and when you, when you advise clients, Andrew, um, and um, for, for looking at individual stocks, um, when they're out of favour, um, how, how do you pitch it to clients to say, hey, uh, share prices under pressure at the moment for these reasons, but gee, this is one of the ones you can put in the bottom drawer, better to, to buy it now at these levels than when it's running hot. Yeah, and what you're also doing, Kosh, is you're sort of looking at it from a thematic point of view as well. So you're saying, the, and we might talk about thematics if we get a chance a little bit later on, but what are some of the mega trends? What are some of the right. issues facing us societally or as an economy and what type of businesses will stand up despite of all the noise that's going on around? So you'd have to think as an example, food would hold up pretty well. So, and yep. you're saying, well, what are some of the better food businesses out there? So you might sort of line up three or four and say, well, you know, this is the one that we like for management or, you know, for whatever the particular case is. But really the first step is saying, what are some of the two, three, four year trends that you can see coming? And what are some of the businesses that might be attractive on a valuation basis? Equally though, Koshi, you could make that same argument around tech. Tech is incredibly yep. um, highly priced. As we saw last night, the results from Google and from uh, Amazon in particular and from Apple, if they're performing, sometimes it's better to pay top dollar because they're still working. It's a case-by-case -case <laughs> basis. Exactly right. And, and, and they're, they're actually proving uh, why they're so expensive on the market because they do deliver. So, uh, Hanalee, uh, thanks for that suggestion on bigger cheese. Um, Andrew, you were talking about thematics and going forward. Uh, Claire has asked for an opinion on Marley Spoon. You talk about food, you talk about sort of changes in habits coming out of COVID. Uh, Marley Spoon, of course, home delivered sort of food and, uh, uh, and recipes and with the ingredients. What do you think? We had the chief executive of Marley Spoon on Ausbiz. Uh, yesterday after their uh, revenue results uh, came in sort of ahead of expectations. 
If I can just maybe one minute taking us off Marley Spoon, but we'll bring it back to Marley Spoon because I think it's important um, around sort of some recent Morgan Stanley research that was sort of looking at six themes that we're looking at post-COVID. So things like people shifting from working from home around 15% of the population <coughs> to about 30%, uh, shopping from home, whereby you've got basically three years pulled forward where, we, you know, where, where we're at now, where we could have been from a three-year perspective, a big increase in the use of technology around collaboration, communication, data, analyt data analytics, healthcare, and also sort of workplace participation. So in other words, people who may not have been able to get into the workforce earlier, uh, be it people with um, a physical disability, be it uh, working mums, you know, people that perhaps haven't had that accessibility to the workforce, if they can now be working from home. And if we bring it then back to Marley Spoon, this type of business plays quite nicely into the fact that we're still going to be time poor. It's just going to be sort of a different type of time poor, if that makes sense. Um, yep. That it was a it's it's a it's a really good business. Uh, Ninety percent of their revenue is from repeat customers. Uh, their forecast PEs fifty three times, which is a little bit out there, but their earnings are forecast to grow by about seventy percent. The chair owns 18%, and so as you know, I like the fact that management have skin in the game. And the chair only pays herself 40 grand a year. She's, uh, you know, a billion dollar company. She probably needs to have a look at that. So yeah, I, I quite like the business. And again, even though that chart's you know, taken off on you, coming back again to the, the that update that we saw recently, uh, there's a lot to like, not only about how they're executing, but those broader thematics that I just touched on as well. Gee, and when you look, Back March, Jumbe, they were 18 cents. And they're $3.20 now. And you think, I've missed the boat. Have, have we missed the boat? No. Right. <laughs> Can't look back and never look back. And look at some of the other tech companies. Look, I absolutely agree. I think this company will go absolutely higher. Um, in the right thematic, um, as well as executing very well, given the recent update. Yeah. Um, had a couple of challenges over the last few years as they establishing their market presence, but they have done very well. Uh, Woolworth is also sitting on the register, um, which is a good testament to um, you know the trend of future um, you know, future cooking from home, um, yeah. and um, and then and gives it credibility with Woolworths. Absolutely, too, absolutely. I was thinking, you know, potentially could will it become, you know, they source from Woolworth and all of that. But it is something that big supermarkets are looking um, looking into, and they there will be more investment into um, business. Um, well, this one, which is uh, Marley yeah. Spoon, um, it is it's expensive, but it's not as expensive as some other growth companies. Look at the yeah. growth number, um, and uh, if you can. Compares to its closest peer, which is HelloFresh, that is listed in the US, it is trading on double the multiple compared to this company. Oh. So this one trades on one times revenue, and the other one in the US trading on two times revenue. So right. it could double, and it's still fair value. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, the market's looking ahead too. It mm. may seem expensive on earnings right now, but. You know, the next lot of earnings may not look expensive at this price. Absolutely, absolutely. This is why the share price does those hockey stick because yeah. when um, you know market is incredibly inefficient in estimating uh, earnings for growth companies. That's why tech and growth company always look expensive. Um, but as long as there's earnings upgrades, the price is coming through. That share price is not coming back. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, good support there, Claire for uh, for Marley Spoon. Despite that, that amazing graph, and we're all kicking ourselves 18 cents just back in March. Yep, that would have been good buying. All right, uh, Sasha uh, Jumbo has come up with uh, 
a, uh, some guidance on oil search, of course, the largest oil and gas exploration company um, in Papua New Guinea, one of our, our top tier oil companies. Absolutely, a top tier, large, um, you know, large cap, high quality um, oil assets, um, you know, so it's great. But look, the company does have a lot of debt um, sitting on the balance sheet. Um, and um, even though they have raised money, but the debt is still pretty high given where the oil price is. So what that means is the share price will be very leveraged to the oil uh, price move. So um, given the um, financial leverage it has on its balance But you balance can sort sheet. of see it there on, on the chart right. when oil dived and went negative in That's April right. and shocked everyone globally. <laughs> and then it recovered. And it's, it's just That's along right. the bottom there. Absolutely. Look, at the, in terms of downside to the share price is really where you see um, oil prices going. Mm. Um, look, right now at $40, oil price seems fair at this point without seeing the significant global recovery um, quickly picking up because we're still sort of in that second lockdown. Well, globally, still in that caution phase. But, you know, once we start having, um, you know, the vaccine and, you know, people move past the lockdown and easing in restriction, you will see that oil price move yeah. um, definitively higher. You ask every analyst, on a 12-month view or 18-month view, everyone's positive oil. But right now, it's harder to call just given, you know, to yeah. and fro, then growth number will look a bit weaker. And and also the Saudis, mm. they they determine the global oil price, don't they? And, and the Russia. And, 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 yeah, yeah, and basically they want to send American shale oil producers broke at the moment, so, don't they? Yeah, because that's what's keeping uh, America in oil dependent. Uh, is mm. whether they they can the shale producers, yeah, the shale producers that's can right. keep going. That's right. So look, this is the this was really just the global pandemic caused the growth collapse, and then at the same time, yeah. all these oversupply. The double and whammy. Yeah. That's right, and then that's why we saw the incredible negative oil price yeah. <laughs> at yeah. one point. Um, but we've recovered from that, and I think in terms of supply, it's been pulled back. It's all been cut back now. Yeah. So that's better, and uh, we just need the global recovery to come okay. through. So uh, good company, but hold off at the moment. Depends on the oil. It's your yeah. view on the oil yeah. prices. Andrew? Uh, look, I'd be cautious on oil in general for everything that we've just heard from Zhumbai, but I, I would also point out, you know, we're back to 2003 prices for oil search. That's, you know, the, that's how far back it has pulled back. Wow. I guess I just sort of wonder around that whole ESG piece. You might remember the last time we spoke, Koshi, we spoke about that ethical social governance piece, and in yeah. particular, around stranded assets so what i mean by that is whereby as we start seeing the electrification of cars and uh so forth i mean this is it's going to take a long time i'm not suggesting it's going to happen in the next 12 to 18 months but a number of these um companies you've seen the norwegian sovereign wealth fund actually divesting themselves uh of certain companies you know that they're worried about from being a sort of a stranded asset which is ironic considering how it started was on oil revenue but uh, I, I guess I just always think with these resource companies in particular, over a three to five year basis, is that a, a systemic threat to all of them? And that whole ESG piece, if I was to be sort of shorter term, I'd probably prefer Beach. I think Beach is probably a better business. Um, the market seems to be ascribing no value to the upgrade to the PNG LNG for oil search or their Alaskan business. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out purely on the basis they've got 800 million in cash, but they've got 2.3 billion in debt. That in itself is a, a big amber light for me. Yeah, okay, all right. So uh, uh, no for oil search there. Um, Vic um, wants a opinion on Sezzle, the buy now, pay later 
uh, group in that category, sort of Afterpay, Sezzle, Zip Money, and Split It, I suppose, is another one. Um, a, a differentiator for this, Andrew, is that Sezzle's based in the United States, isn't it? And that's their focus rather than here in Australia. Yeah, um, and again, I'll sort of looking at some of the work put out by uh, our friend Henry Jennings at Marcus today. You know, he speculates that could Afterpay potentially uh, save themselves a whole lot of angst and just go and buy it. Uh, and sort of, because as you know, Afterpay is moving into the US and is doing quite well, yep. but if they were to buy it, they'd suddenly pick up around one and a half million customers and 16,000 merchants. Um, it's certainly a quick way to sort of expand that Afterpay business. So, uh, look, I, I don't mind the business as such, but I guess, you know, there's probably a couple of things that just sort of would worry me about that whole buy now, pay later sector. In particular, there's just a whole lot of hot money there. In the very short term, they're sort of doing that share purchase plan at $5.30 as well. So that's probably a short term negative for them whilst that's sort of washing its way through. Uh, the CEO owns 44%, which is obviously a good thing. But should they decide they want to sell down, well, that puts some downwards pressure on the share price. Uh, it's just a very hot sector at the moment and whether you just want to just sort of step back and draw a bit of breath, never mind that sort of whole macro environment where you've got 30 million plus unemployed in the US, uh, that is probably another little sort of amber light for me. So on weakness, certainly that whole buy now, pay later sector is something to think about, but in the short term, I'm just cautious. Okay. Shumbai? You know my view on buy now, pay later. I yeah. love them all. Right. Um, look, I, I think this is one of the few sector, either one of the few sector that actually came through that have benefited from this um, pull forward of structural shift um, of how people um, spend their money and um, you know borrow in, yep. in a way. And uh, you know, so it's been incredible as well as it's a significant leverage to online um, online shopping. Um, so you know, the entire sector market leader after pay is incredible. You know, creating all that market. Um, market opportunity um, and with uh, now Tencent's a big shareholder and uh, of course recent raising means they just got this path to growth for yep. many many years to come. Um, Afterpay won't go below $66, that's where they raise their money so you know it's almost a nice floor you can see. So um, yeah. that's a market leader, it should be the number one holding and then you know work its way down. Sezzle is very very cheap relative to Afterpay. Um, clearly it's never going to be on the same multiple um, but um, you know it is on its way there to um, recover some of the, um, the gap in terms of differential. Um, it is smaller, it is, there's more retail participation in that one given the raising and the like. So share price will be pretty volatile in this one. There's a chance that does have a bit of um, heat coming through, uh, mm -hmm. coming out of this stock for some time. Um, but it is a good company that's now they raise money, have enough pathway to move forward. Right. And then Zip is the one that I really think have lagged um, substantially. Um, mm. They themselves also have a um, uh, have acquired this business in the US and given them you know significant leverage. That business will be closed um, in terms of acquisition. That will be closed by um, August, and I think that will be a catalyst for them to talk to um, the growth path ahead. And that will be a catalyst for it to see share price move okay. quite definitively in a couple of weeks. I think. So you would see better value in Zip from Sezzle. Yeah, I would definitely see better value in Zip now that given right. Sezzle has done quite well in the last little while. Um, and, um, and then the market leader Afterpay, he, it will always be the, um, you know, the, right. the quality angle. Okay. All right. So still a lot of growth still to come in those. Absolutely. Right. Um, Jean-Baptiste Trevor wants a view on 360. We're going to go from 
a hot side of the market, <laughs> sort of with lots of glitz and glamour to a real estate investment trust. So uh, 360 Capital. Now, though, it's like a, um, an infrastructure business, but in, in digital assets, di- digital infrastructure. Um, what do data they invest center, in, in data centers? And some of like those that? assets, yeah. that's right. So in the right space, mm-hmm. um, but it just look, real estate at the moment is a pretty tough yeah. spot at the moment, but their asset is actually pretty defensive at <coughs> this point. So um, Tony Pitt, he actually been around for quite some time, uh, running a couple of different vehicles and uh, now the latest one is this one. So he's a good operator, um, you know, looking at the yield, what this um, vehicle is offering you, because that's part of the reason Yep. high real estate is the dividend yield. Uh, it's yielding pretty high, close to 9%. Um, now, um, there is this reporting season coming up, we will see a lot of property trust cut dividends. Um, and this one potentially might hold that 9%, which is pretty no, high. Look, um, just in terms of quality of asset, it's not your Westfield shopping center. No. So, you know, but these are the things that probably for now, it's reasonably defensive in terms of earnings because it is the shopping centers right now um, are seeing no one's paying rent at the yeah. moment, as well yeah. as the property trust, you know, Dexas probably have half of their offices or empty because people working from home incredible event at the moment so you'll see a bit of uh, um, you know this one possibly will outperform the rest of the sector mm. so what do they invest in they actually invest in the data Asset. centers yeah uh, data center buildings yes uh, and like next to companies like next to sort of operate runs, them, the, runs it and that's right and the trust holds it uh, Andrew what do you what do you think of 360 yeah look fully agree with Jim Bai's comments around Tony Pitt made a heap of money post GFC and how he made that money was waiting for sort of the the dust to settle uh, with GFC and then being quite strategic with his um, um, sort of purchases. And we're seeing the same here with 360. Uh, they're sitting on from memory, see if we can do a bit better from memory. They're sitting on, they've done some recent uh, divestments, about 110 million in cash by the time all these um, recent sales take place which equates to around 79 to 80 cents. So if we just have a look at the chart there for a moment, you can see the share price yep. is around 88 cents, cash backing of around 79 to 80 cents. So uh, that certainly does give you a fair bit of confidence around your sort of near the bottom, famous last words. Um, <laughs> but they are pretty thinly traded as well. I think there's something like 38,000 a day that get traded. So arguably it's a little bit of a crab pot, you know, um, easy to get into, difficult to get out of. Um, Look, uh, it's probably a little bit too small for us. It's 120 odd million. And the fact that REITs in general are just been pretty underwhelming that so the whole REIT space is down about 24% for the year. Second worst performing sector after energy down 33%. And even though we were sort of saying with bigger cheese, if you've got a quality business, you know, now's the time to potentially be looking at it and looking at those sectors. I'm not sure real estate at this stage is a sector that I'd say there's enough value there yet. Yeah, 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 and uh, uh, it could be at these low levels for quite a while to, to come. Um, it's what, one of those areas, everything I read on virtually every sector of property <laughs> is going to be doing a tough, whether it's residential or retail or yeah. 
uh, commercial. Yeah, but what's interesting Indus though, these are often the time where you find this great opportunity as investors sure. who take slightly longer term view. Yeah. Um, you know, at the moment, if you look at the Westfield shopping centers, they're trading at 50% discount to right. the value of those shopping centers. So mm. someone done analysis. If you actually just buy those shopping centers based on, you know, just land, because they sort of in the premium land position, just buy as land, later on you build, you know, prop, uh, apartments and everything else, you still make money at this ah. point. So they are that cheap. Um, so, you know, by in that sense, um, take a 12 month view, you will make right. fantastic return out of those businesses. Okay. Pick the great asset, don't pick, you know, the yeah. tough ones, but yeah. yeah. So Andrew, good advice here from Jubilee, always go for the quality if you're going to, to look at companies in, in a sector that's out of favour. Oh, I, I agree entirely with the first part of the sentiment. It's always about the quality. It's always about the management. You know, that's why Westfield did so so well for so long. The market really well regarded the Lowy family. Um, yep. But with respect, 12 months. Um, look, I hope so. I really do. Um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've probably got my three-year hat on. Um, I, right. I think we've got the, the long, hard grind on here. But uh, look, if it's 12 months, happy to eat my hat. Yep, absolutely. All right, um, that's our first five stocks. Let's just do a bit of a recap with our stock of the day as well. Simic, the construction company that's just um, um, not slashed, it's suspended its dividend and um, all sorts of write-offs in the construction sector are no from Bojumbe and, uh, and Andrew. Bigger Cheese, a yes, both of them like a good company, out of favour but with some great brands. Marley Spoon, a yes on the theme of um, uh, working from home and cooking from home and online shopping. Marley Spoon ticks all the boxes, uh, including as an investment. Oil Search, a no. Uh, Sezzle, a no from Andrew Jumbe, uh, a yes, but would prefer Zip um, is better value in that uh, buy now, pay later space. Afterpay always will be the market leader. Uh, and 360 Capital a no. So uh, just a bit of a programming note ahead of us. Here's a, a fun one for your Friday. Uh, the wine industry had a recent trade win after Canada lifted restrictions on wine imports. Uh, to tell us what this means and about the industry in general, we're joined by the Chief Executive of the Australian Grape and Wine Incorporated, uh, Tony Battagling. Uh, he's coming up at 1.10pm. So. If you're invested in treasury wine estates and the like, uh, you'll get some good industry background there. Join us then. All right, let's uh, get stuck into that uh, second five stocks of our 10 here on the call today. And Shweta uh, wants an opinion on Etherstack. Now, I uh, hadn't really heard of this company, but it's headquartered in the UK, Jumbay, and it's in uh, wireless uh, communication software throughout Europe, Asia and North America. Look, it, that's why this show is fantastic. You just come, keep coming up with those great <laughs> ideas and, you know, interesting companies. Um, I had a look, the share price gone up over a thousand percent in June. Um, wow. Well, it's come back a little bit, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's just incredible. And, After uh, doing nothing. Yeah, well, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's actually a very interesting story. So, um, uh, uh, look, we, I spoke to someone recently met up with the management. So what they, what they are is that essentially they provide a piece of software that sort of, um, uh, sort of covers the gap between the satellite phone and cell phone for mission critical sort of projects. Ah, so um, like cyber security type stuff. And, uh, it's actually more scrambling. connection. Yeah, that's right. right. So uh, more connections and things. So things can't, any 
mission critical things, you can't afford failure. So yeah. this is a little oh, piece of software okay. and like that sort of sits there. So um, sounds amazing, but often these stories, these are competitive space and you know you don't have much credibility until you sign a big contract. And yeah. that's what happened. They signed with um, Samsung providing mm. quite a lot of their platforms. Now, that sounds, um, you know, that's an incredible amount of credibility to this company. Yeah. Um, and then, so there will be ongoing sale, um, you know, every couple, oh, well, every year, there will be some sale coming through Sensor. And of course, we just kind of need to see how it goes. It's a little bit early in that sort of relationship they just signed. Right. Um, and But it's something worth digging into. It looks very interesting. Um, and the fact that they have a, now a big, clients such yeah, as Samsung. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And whether that leverages into other big clients and they take right. comfort from that. That's right. So it just it feels a bit early, a bit yeah. speculative, but it's probably worth following and looking into perhaps in six months that you can see them demonstrating earning come okay. through, revenue come through, then it's uh, it might be a good story. Okay. Watch out for it. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, look, there's lots of positive things about it, um, but it is quite small. Um, you know, it's only a $90 million market cap. So, you know, we started with Simic, that's $7 billion. So we're certainly in the smaller end of the world. The CEO owns 39%, which again is a positive, but it's a negative in the context that there's not so much liquidity there. Having said that though, uh, they recently uh, went and had a convertible note and turned that into shares. So in other words, they had a piece of paper that was a debt instrument and they've turned that into more shares. So the positive is they don't have as much debt the negative is there's more shares an issue. So whilst they're sort of trying to get their cash flow sorted out, because looking at it from memory, I think they've only got about two million in the bank. I mean, we'd all love two million in the bank, but you know, in the scheme of what they're trying to do, two million is probably not enough money. So I think to Jumbai's point, it's probably one that you'd keep an eye on, see how that relationship with Samsung goes. Are they able to continue being cash flow positive? Um, need, I'd like to see a bit more money in the bank, so whether that means they have to do a capital raising as they continue to have some success. The areas in which they operate in are great, you know, that public safety, radio, defence, etc. There is a need for it. It's probably just a touch early. Okay, all right. Uh, Shweta, uh, thank you for that suggestion. <laughs> that was terrific. As Jumbo said, it's, uh, your suggestions are great because they pop all these companies up that we haven't followed or and once you dig into them and so uh, Etherstack um, basically both um, Andrew and Jumbo saying hey keep a watch on it uh, could be one of those little gems uh, worth finding in a couple of months time um, Andrew uh, Debbie wants a uh, view on APA group now how would you you've got Transurban with its toll roads basically APA is the transurban, but instead of uh, toll roads, they have pipes uh, for for gas producers to uh, to pump either to uh, either to ports or in into the grid. Yep, spot on. But the big difference between say APA and I don't know, like an Ostnet or a, a Spark, which we'll talk about in a minute is that yeah. their returns are unregulated. So with the other two that I've just mentioned, the government says yeah. you need to make a certain level of return, APA sets the price. So that's that's a big one for me. 90% of their revenue is unregulated. They determine the price. And as you said, it's highly defensive sort of stuff. What a gas provider is going to say, no, we're gonna build our own pipeline. Um, it's, it's a business that is not impacted by COVID. Um, it uh, was started by a Queenslander. You might remember we spoke previously uh, about Nick go. McCormick. 
So, um, yeah, there's uh, there's lots to like about this business. The share market has historically, over the last five years, returned five and a half percent. The guys and girls at Apia have delivered eleven percent per annum returns. So, wow. defensive asset, pays no COVID impact, pays a dividend. Uh, you know, you talk about sort of defensive type businesses. Exhibit A. It's certainly one that we like. It's never going to shoot the lights out, but it's just a strong, steady, reliable performer. Okay. Chumba, APA? Yeah, it's one of those defensive business uh, not impacted by COVID and heading to this reporting season, you know, this company's on annualized 45% dividend yield. Um, many, many other sector will cut dividend. Banks will cut the banks not yet paying dividend. Um, you've got the rest of the infrastructure such as Transurban, ALX and, um, you know, and Sydney Airport um, will all have much very, very small dividend yield at this point. So it's very defensive and dividend yield is looking pretty good for the, you know, compared to the risk-free rate out there. Yeah. yeah. So when you look at these defensive stocks, there are, is this sort of one of these no-brainers? If you're looking for solid, defensive, dividend yield is protected, mm. this is a good one. Yeah, so this is a good one. And in, in anyone's portfolio, you need to have a bit of growth and you need to have a bit of dividend. So you yeah. want to have income. And this one delivers a pretty good one. And especially there's no risk heading into this reporting season. Yeah. Okay. All right, Debbie, a good one with APA there. If you're looking for reliability and sort of that foundation in your portfolio that you can trust and then have a bit of fun with the growth, growth <laughs> stocks, I suppose, to... Uh, um, to, to spike up the portfolio. Uh, Will uh, Jumbe wants a, a view on Suda Pharmaceuticals. Now, this is a fascinating business as well. It, it basically, its business is turning uh, different sorts of drugs into an oral spray. And um, it's received a, a, a Therapeutic Goods Administration only in the last week. They have this thing called Zolpi Mist, which is an oral spray used for short-term adult insomnia, that it's been given the go-ahead and approval, Jumbo. So it's an interesting business. It's absolutely interesting business, but um, it operates in that space. It's actually quite competitive. Um, This is something they they call a drug delivery, um, shifting the drug delivery area and uh, um, and um, you know we've seen quite a few companies over the last 10 years come come and go in that sort of um, you know drug delivery space Um, and um, you know it's there's always a lot of hype about it Uh, you need to wait to see the earnings come through and um, and then you know just make sure you don't um, sort of overcapitalize on what they could achieve so what I'm saying is that Uh, That space is very competitive. I would steer away because it is quite a, um, you know, small area. Um, And, um, you know, and then in terms of future growth often is um, much more, share price is capitalizing much more than what what is actually there. So, yeah, we had a couple of um, examples of that over the last many years. Okay. Mm. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of uh, Suda? We had the, uh, the chief executive on Ausbiz yesterday after that approval came through with an interview, obviously very supportive of, of the business and, and the approvals coming through. Shumba is so polite, isn't she? You know, she just puts it so eloquently. I'm just going to say it. No, <laughs> no. Um, it's, a, um, it, it's a company that's sub $10 million market cap. So we're not talking CSL. And uh, you've, you've recently just had a one for one raising at five cents. Plus, you've also got some free options floating around as well. So that's going to create an overhang. 
the share prices or the performance, they're down 39% per annum for the last five years. So every year they've lost 39% of their value, uh, again, versus the market that's up five. I mean, certainly, you know, I take on board the fact that the, um, the, the, the delivery mechanism they're using is lower dosage, faster response. Uh, there's lots to like about it. But equally so, there's lots not to like at this stage. We need to see some more runs on the board. And it is a cutthroat area where lots of companies will fail. I'm not suggesting they will, but is it yep. certainly one that I'd want to take a risk on? Not at this stage. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for the suggestion, Will. Um, now, Andrew Harrison um, wants an opinion on EnviroSuite. This is a, an environmental company technology basically in in air and water quality, isn't it? And uh, it's across 15 countries, works with airports, uh, construction companies, mining, heavy industry, wastewater, uh, to help them um, clean up their environment. And I agree with the comments earlier that me doing this is great because you come across companies that you may not normally pay that much attention to. And this is one of them. I think out of all the ones we're gonna talk about today, I think this is probably the one that looks the most interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, recently had that merger with the Danish company whose name I'm not even going to try and pronounce because I'm just going to butcher <laughs> it. But they now operate in 11 countries. Uh, they have 400 clients, uh, BHP, Thames Water, Lend Lease, uh, recently added to the All Ordinary. So again, from an institutional support point of view, that's sort of your first step towards you get the ASX S&P 200. 70% of their revenue is recurring. They're sitting on about 24 million in cash and they're in that environmental monitoring space, you know, mining, wastewater, heavy industry, where again, in that ESG space, there's a lot more attention. So I, I don't mind this. I think this looks like an interesting little business. Okay. Um, Jean-Baptiste, what, what do you think of it? Is, is it a bit, the other one in this um, area, what's a, what is it, uh, Foslock? isn't it, is, <laughs> is in wastewater and cleaning that's up right. and things like that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Look, it's in the right segment. Um, and uh, and then given its you know, list of blue chip clients, it certainly is a great credibility for this business and they yeah. make good money out yeah. of it. So um, I think it's, um, it's a good business. Um, it's just in the short term, there's a little bit of risk given uh, in terms of the customer um, you know, segment because quite a big part of their earnings come from customer, uh, which is airports. Right. Um, and, um, you know, we all know what's happening with the airports because of the coronavirus impact. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, is there a possibility of um, potential short-term earnings disruption? Uh, but it is ongoing revenue, so um, possibly earning disruption is not as large. Um, and another thing, I guess, um, the risk on the horizon is that um, they, they, their future growth opportunity actually come from China. Right. Now, so obviously there is a bit of tension in terms of <laughs> geopolitical just tension, <laughs> just a little bit, um, and, but they may well be blown over in a few months time. And, right. um, you know, but this is a big growth opportunity for this company. Yep. Uh, you do need that sort of to, um, relationship to improve for them to be able to gain uh, what to grow in that market. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. I'm, uh, I, I was encouraged by the statement uh, from uh, Maurice Harris when, mm. um, um, after a visit during the week with uh, Pompeo and mm. the Osmin meeting was very measured, wasn't <laughs> sort of Trump stirring the, uh, the pot, which I, I thought was good for relations <laughs> going forward. Because was I reading yesterday that uh, June exports 
to China made up 47% of our total exports in June. Absolutely. Uh, exports to America are 8% to give you an idea of the difference. Absolutely, look at the iron ore prices. The reason oh. we can have all these stimulus, fiscal stimulus, because iron ore price at the price it is now, yep. and it is selling to China. Yep. Um, clearly, look, you know, China do need our iron ore, otherwise where do you get it from? Uh, but look, it's it's an important relationship for both, com uh, both countries. So. Absolutely, mm. a year ago it was 36% of our exports went to mm. China, last month 47%, mm. it's just, increasing. Mm. So uh, EnviroSuite, uh, Harrison, uh, a great suggestion to look into. It's fascinated the, the three of us. Andrew likes it. Uh, Jumbei saying hold off for a while on it, but certainly uh, a company to keep on the radar going mm. forward. Uh, our final stock, Jumbei Spark Infrastructure Group. Uh, Gina has asked for a, uh, an opinion on this. Um, again, an infrastructure business that basically owns power poles and lines for uh, SA power networks and also Victoria uh, power networks as well and New South Wales with, with Transgrid. One of those defensive companies that gives you good dividend yield um, yep. and not really impacted by this coronavirus disruption um, and it pays a dividend yield of um, you know somewhere between five and five and a half percent so pretty defensive heading to reporting season not much disruption to earnings um, and then that dividend yield is pretty defensible so good part of the portfolio to generate yep. some income uh, spark versus apa I would sit in Spark. Um, oh, yeah, look, I just feel there's a little bit more growth uh, of, out of uh, Spark. Um, actually, we quite like Spark New Zealand as well right. um, because that's a true defensive. Obviously, growth is very little, um, mm. but uh, most of the thing is because of um, you know probably more financial generated growth. Right. Um, so yeah, so we just prefer um, like of those ones. Now, APA is one thing you always have to remember as well um, because it's um, gas pipeline. So, you know, the ESG, once it starts to um, pick up, and it's only picking up in momentum in the last few years, um, and over the next 10, 20 years, anything that's, any assets that's to do with um, anything that's detracting from the environment is going to put more pressure on their share price or marginal buyers. Right. Okay. Um, so because APA is a gas pipeline and the like, All so right. um, it will, you know, okay. be part of that basket. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of Spark? That was really interesting to hear Junbai's view on ESG and stranded assets. So pleased I'm not the only one that's thinking that. Um, look, I I do like Spark. Um, I like the fact that the chair and the CEO have been accumulating their holdings. It's run by, or chaired by Doug McTaggart, the ex-chair of uh, uh, Queensland Investment Corporation that manages our, our fully funded superannuation liabilities up here in Queensland. So he, uh, he knows what he's doing. Um, it's, uh, it's a great business. Uh, again, the compare and contrast is it's regulated returns, whereas APA, it's unregulated returns. Uh, it's been a solid performer. It's returned 7.5% per annum over the last five years versus the market at 5.5% defensive. So I, I quite like it. Uh, me personally, I'd probably still do APA um, in the short term, but if I could be selfish, I'd have both. I think in coming okay. into earnings right. season with so much uncertainty around dividends, you want both of them then. Uh, let's just uh, recap the final five uh, stocks. Um, Etherston, um, a watch from both, uh, Etherstack rather, from both Jumbay and uh, Andrew. Um, interesting company, hadn't come across on their radar, but uh, 
uh, sparked a bit of interest into the future. APA, a yes. Uh, Pseudopharmaceuticals, a no. EnviroSuite, um, Andrew likes it. Jumbe saying no. And Spark, a tick from both of them. Um, Jumbe would go Spark rather than APA. Andrew, the reverse. So uh, that's it for the call for today for the 10 stocks. Jumbe Lou from uh, Tribeca Capital. Good to see you again and thank you for coming in the studio. Andrew Whelan, survive beautiful sunny Queensland up there and stop whinging about the the winter. Uh, Our Sunrise correspondents who have their coats on in the morning say, oh gee, it's cold in Brisbane today and it's something like 19, 21 degrees. Right, you don't come know to winter t- up come, there, I don't yeah, think, do you? Come to Toowoomba, you know, last week, uh, last Tuesday, the apparent temperature was minus two. So just give them a little spoonful oh, of wow. cement, they'll be fine. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll just tell them to harden up. Um, thank you, Andrew, for, for joining us. Now, if you'd like to uh, suggest a stop for us here on the call, you can email in the call at ausbiz.com.au. <laughs>